from the studio of Adventist World Radio Pune. A very warm welcome to you. This is our international English service. In our program today, we bring you an inspiring message and songs of praise. You will hear God's word to strengthen you spiritually. You are listening to Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Now when the rich and the poor get together with the Lord, get together, get together with the Lord. Well, they will treat each other like sister and brother when they all get together with the Lord. Now when they all get together, when they all get together with the Lord, well, they will treat each other like sister and brother when they all get together with the Welcome to write to us on this postal address. Adventist Media Center, Post Box 1446, Market Yard, Pune 411037, Maharashtra, India. 
You can also log into our website to hear all our programs, which is www.awr.org. Before we hear God's word, here's a melodious song. You know not the day when the Lord shall call your soul away. If you striving, fighting for your right, you shall wear a robe and crown. Watch ye, therefore, you know not the day when the Lord shall Call your soul away if you striving, fighting for your right. You shall wear a robe and crown. I'm gonna wear a crown. Gonna wear a crown. When the trumpet sounds. When the trumpet sounds. When the trumpet sounds. I'm gonna wear a crown. I'm gonna wear a crown. From the studios of Adventist Media Center, Pune. We have Helen Jacob. Presenting God's Word. Today we have a special guest, the Director of Adventist Media Center Pune, Pastor Vara Prasad. He will be presenting a special message on this special weekend. Go ahead, Pastor. My message entitled is Follow the Cross. What comes to your mind when you see the cross or think about the cross? How many of you have seen the stars during the night? It is astounding. Our finite minds cannot comprehend the marvels of the universe. My friend took us for sure and we watched the wonders of the universe through 3D goggles. Even an atheist who watches this will believe in a God. The movie was captured and made by Hubble Telescope. I had to ask myself the question, am I watching a science fiction documentary? Our earth is just a dot, a speck, an atom in the universe, in the entire cosmos. God formed this insignificant dot and created life on it. Man came into being. God the creator and man the created being had a wonderful relationship until sin found its way and ruined the happiness of the earth. God could have abandoned this earth it would not have made any difference to him, just one rotten world. Let the human race perish. But God had different plans. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3.16 In 1 John 3.5, we're told that he came to be a sin bearer. The verse reads, You know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins and in him is no sin. 
In 1 John 3, 8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. In 1 John 4, 9, it says, This is how he showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. Jesus gave, came to give us eternal life. 1 John 4, 10, he came to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. 1 John 4.14 He came to be the Savior of the world and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. The life story of Jesus beautifully portrayed by many authors. Let us follow Jesus from the Garden of Gethsemane. In company with his disciples, the Savior slowly made his way to the Garden of Gethsemane. The Passover moon Broad and full, shone from a cloudless sky. The city of pilgrims' tents was hushed into silence. Jesus had been earnestly conversing with his disciples and instructing them. But as he neared Gethsemane, he became strangely silent. He had often visited this spot for meditation and prayer, but never with a heart so full of sorrow as upon this night of his last agony. As he approached the garden, the disciples had marked the change that came over their master. Never before had they seen him so utterly sad and silent. As he proceeded, this strange sadness deepened. Yet they did not question him as to the cause. His form swayed as he was about to fall. Upon reaching the garden, the disciples looked anxiously for his usual place of retirement that their master might rest. Every step that he now took was with labored effort. He groaned aloud as if suffering under the pressure of a terrible burden. Twice his companions supported him or he would have fallen to the earth. Near the entrance to the garden, Jesus left all three of his disciples, bring them pray for themselves and for him. With Peter, James, and John, he entered its secluded recesses. These three disciples were Christ's closest companions. He felt that by sin, he was being separated from his father. The gulf was so broad, so black, so deep, that his spirit shuddered before it. As man, he must suffer the consequences of man's sin. As man, he must endure the wrath of God's aggression. Christ was now standing on a different attitude from that in which he had ever stood before. As a substitute and surety for sinful man, Christ was suffering under divine justice. He saw what justice meant. Hitherto he had been as an intercessor for others. Now he longed to have an intercessor for himself. 
as Christ felt his unity with the Father broken up, he feared that in his human nature he would be unable to endure the conflict with the powers of darkness. In the wilderness of temptation, the destiny of human race had been at stake. Christ was the conqueror. Now the tempter had come for the last fearful struggle. But if Christ could be overcome, the earth would become Satan's kingdom, and a human race would be forever in his power. With the issues of the conflict before him, Christ's soul was filled with dread of separation from God. Satan told him that if he became the surety for a sinful world, the separation would be eternal. He would be identified with Satan's kingdom and would never more be one with God. And what was to be gained by this sacrifice? How hopeless appeared the guilt and ingratitude of men. The people have rejected you. The seeking to destroy you, the foundation, the center and seal of the promises made to them as a peculiar people. One of your own disciples who has listened to your instructions and has been among the foremost in church activities will destroy you, will betray you. One of your most zealous followers will deny you. All will forsake you. Christ's whole being abode the thought that those whom he had undertaken to save, those whom he had loved so much, should unite in the plots of Satan. This pierced his soul. The conflict was terrible. The sins of men weighed heavily upon Christ, and a sense of God's wrath against sin was crushing out his life. Behold, Behold him contemplating the price to be paid for the human soul. In his agony he clings to the cold ground as if to prevent himself from being drawn further away from God. The chilling dew of night falls upon his prostrate form. From his pale lips comes a bitter cry. O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet, but now he adds, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. The human heart longs for sympathy in suffering. This longing Christ fell to the very depths of his being. In the supreme agony of his soul, he came to his disciples with a yearning desire to hear some words of comfort from those whom he had so often blessed and comforted and shielded in sorrow and distress. The one who had always had words of sympathy for them was now suffering superhuman agony. And he longed to know that they were praying for him. Rising with painful effort, he staggered to the place where he had left his companions, but he finded them asleep. Had he found them praying, he would have been relieved. Had they been seeking refuge in God, that satanic agencies might not prevail over them. He would have been comforted by their steadfast faith, but they had not heeded the repeated warning, Watch and pray. At first they had been much troubled to see their master, 
usually so calm and dignified, wrestling with a sorrow that was beyond comprehension. That prayed as they heard the strong cries of the sufferer. Just before he bent his footsteps to the garden, Jesus had said to his disciples, All shall be offended because of me this night. They had given him the strongest assurance that they would go with him to prison and to death. And poor and self-sufficient Peter added, All they all shall be offended, yet will not I. Thus when the saviors most in need of the sympathy and praise, they were found asleep. Even Peter was sleeping. And John, the loving disciples who had leaned upon the breast of Jesus, was asleep. Surely the love of John for his master should have kept him awake. The Redeemer had spent entire nights praying for his disciples that their fate might not fail. The disciples awakened at the voice of Jesus, but they hardly knew him. His face was so changed by anguish. Addressing Peter, Jesus said, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldst not thou watch for one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. The weakness of his disciples awakened the sympathy of Jesus. He feared that they would not be able to endure the test which would come upon them in his betrayal and death. He did not reprove them, but said, Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. Even in his great agony, he was seeking to excuse their weakness. The spirit truly is ready, he said, but the flesh is weak. Again the Son of God was seized with superhuman agony and fated and exhausted. He staggered back to the place of his former struggle. His suffering was even greater than before. As the agony of soul came upon him, his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Jesus now breathes only submission. If this cup may not pass from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. Having made the decision, he fell dying to the ground from which he had partially risen. Where now were his disciples to place their hands tenderly beneath the head of their fainting master and bathe that brow marred indeed more than the sons of men. The Saviour trod the winepress alone, now the people there was none with him, but God suffered with his Son. Angels beheld the Saviour's agony. They saw their Lord enclosed by legions of satanic forces, his nature weighed down with a shuddering, mysterious dread. There was silence in heaven. No harp was touched. Could mortals have viewed the amazement of the angelic host as in silent grief they watched the Father separating his beams of light, love and glory from his beloved Son that would better understand how offensive in his sight is sin. The world's unfallen and the heavenly angels had watched with intense interest as the conflict drew to its close. 
Satan and his confederacy of evil, the legions of apostasy, watched intently this great crisis in the work of redemption. The powers of good and evil waited to see what answer would come to Christ's thrice-repeated prayer. Angels had longed to bring relief to the divine sufferer, but this might not be. No way of escape was found for the Son of God. In this awful crisis, when everything was at stake, when the mysterious cup trembled in the hand of the sufferer, the heavens opened, a light shone forth amid the stormy darkness of the crisis hour, and the mighty angel who stands in God's presence, occupying the position from which, in, which Satan fell, came to the side of Christ and comforted him. From the Garden of Gethsemane, let us move to the Judgment Hall of Pilate. Pilate, the Roman governor, has come and Christ stands before him as a prisoner. About him are guards of soldiers and the hall is fast filling with spectators. Just outside the entrance are the judges of the Sanhedrin, priests, rulers, elders and the mob. After condemning Jesus, the council of the Sanhedrin had come to Pilate to have the sentence confirmed and executed. In their blindness, they did not see that murderous hatred had filled their hearts. They did not see that Christ was a real Passover lamb and that since they had rejected him, the great feast had for them lost its significance. When the Savior was brought into the judgment hall, Pilate looked upon him with no friendly eyes. The Roman governor had been called from his bedchamber in haste and he determined to do his work as quickly as possible. He was prepared to deal with the prisoner with magisterial severity. Assuming his severe's expression, he turned to see what kind of man he had to examine, that he had been called from his repose at an early hour. He knew that he must be someone whom the Jewish authorities were anxious to have tried and punished with haste. Pilate looked at the man who was in charge of Jesus, and his gaze rested searchingly on Jesus. He had to deal with all kinds of criminals, but never before had a man bearing, a mark, bearing marks of such goodness and nobility been brought before him. On his face he saw no sign of guilt, no expression of fear, no boldness or defiance. He saw a man of calm and dignified bearing, whose countenance bore not the marks of a criminal, but the signature of heaven. Christ's appearance made a favorable impression upon Pilate. The priest hoped that Pilate would now inflict the death penalty on Jesus without giving him a hearing. This they besought as a favor on the occasion of the great national festival. But there was something in the prisoner that held Pilate back from this. He did not do it. He read the purposes of the priest. He remembered not, not long before Jesus had raised Lazarus, a man that had been dead for four days. And he determined to know, before signing the sentence of condemnation, what were the charges against him and whether they could be proved. He said, if a judgment is sufficient, he said, why bring this prisoner to me? Take him and judge him according to your law. 
Thus the priest, the priest said that they had already passed sentence upon him, but they must have Pilate's sentence to render the condemnation valid. Pilate asked, what is your sentence? And they answered him, death sentence. But it is not lawful for us to put any man to death. Then Pilate pronounced the sentence, take him and crucify him. But I am innocent of this man's blood. And they took Jesus and crucified him. But we are told, and the tomb tells us, that Jesus rose on the third day. He rose from the dead. The tomb is empty. And we have a risen Savior. And Jesus ascended to heaven to meet his Father and the angelic host. When Jesus ascended to heaven, what a grand welcome he must have received. God the Father was waiting to welcome his only begotten Son. It must have been the best reception ever. Ten thousand times ten thousands of angels must have been at the gates of heaven with trumpets and harps, flutes and cymbals, playing the best musical piece ever. The lyrics must have been, Jesus, Jesus, we welcome you home, our Redeemer's Savior of mankind. The Father must embrace His Son and kissed Him, indicating mission accomplished. The Father must have spoken, Well done, my Son, well done. You have conquered sin, you have conquered death, you have redeemed man, you have redeemed the world. There's going to be another celebration in heaven when Jesus comes a second time to take his people home. Crowns will be given, mansions will be given, white robes will be given, and new name will be given. The party will go on for eternity. Would you like to be there in that select group? Then follow the cross. It will lead you home. With this, we have almost come to the end of our broadcast. To know more on God's word, you are always welcome to write to us. Adventist Media Center, Post Box 1446, Market Yard, Pune 411037, Maharashtra, India. And you can email us at helenrichesv at gmail.com helenrichesv at gmail.com H-E-L-E-N-R-I-C-H-E-S-V at gmail.com You can contact us with your prayer requests and your interest for Bible study at these numbers. Center of Digital Evangelism, CDE Zero 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 eight zero 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 four zero one seven zero four, or you can message us directly at plus one seven four seven two eight two two eight eight zero. 
Our WhatsApp number is plus nine one nine zero 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 eight nine zero nine three. And you can email us at Helen Riches V at gmail dot com. H E L E N R I C H E S V at gmail dot com. We invite you to visit us on our website, www dot awr dot org. This is David, and I am Madhuri. Signing off at AWR. Do join us again along with your family and friends. Till then, we wish you goodbye, goodbye and, and God, God bless. bless.